0: And now, your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley.
2: Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley. And as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, I want to talk about a theory that I have. And uh, I've composed this theory sometime in the past, but I was just pondering on it a little bit yesterday and uh, picked it up this morning and thought it might be an interesting topic to cover on the radio. And it, it starts with an assumption or hypothesis, and that is that we all live a story that we believe in our heads. In other words, you have this envisionment, of yourself and your life, who you are, why you're on this earth, what you're here to do. And some people don't have that, and that's why they're crazy. I mean, they're just they're running around lost. They have nothing to do with society. They can't produce or create anything because they don't believe that they're worth anything or have anything to do on this earth. So I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about everybody else, which is about 95% of the rest of us. We believe that we're here for a reason. Now, unfortunately, some of us believe that our life stories are to live in poverty. Some of us live and, believe our life stories are to live middle class. Some of us believe that our uh, life stories be successful in many different ways, in different genres of success. But I do believe we all have a life story that we believe we're living. And that life story is like a dream. And I don't know if you've ever gone through this, having a dream or not, where you ever have one of those semi-lucid dreams where you know you're dreaming, yet you're controlling where you're going in the dream. Now, you actually know it's a dream because you wake up from it, right? Right. And then you can't get back into that lucid state again. So you know it's a dream state, but you know it's also right at the edge. Right at the edge of being real. And so you're saying, okay, I know I'm in a college. How am I going to perform in college? Okay, I know I'm in a job. How am I going to perform at the job? Am I going to get in trouble with the boss? Am I going to mess around and find a girl I like? What? It just goes on in your brain, all this stuff. And you really kind of control and manipulate it to where it's going, but yet your mind throws little uh, hooks, swings, curve, curveballs, there's probably other things, you throw a little curveball into it, and you go, how did I get there? And then all your greatest fears come out, there's people there to beat you up, people there to steal from you, people there to threaten to put you in jail, every little fear in your brain just comes popping up, Right? In that lucid state. Now, what I'm suggesting is that we're all living in a lucid state. We're really here. We think we're awake. We're really just living this dream that we believe we are living. Now, that leads me to the next hypothesis. And that is, if we have this vision, this dream, or this life story that we're living out, It's because we actually believe something about ourselves and about our situation, and we have values that contain what we believe about ourselves. In other words, we like who we are, we don't like who we are. We value what we do, we don't value what we do, and so on and so forth. An example, when I was very young, I was fat. I weighed like 200 pounds in fourth grade, had Coke bottle glasses, flat top haircut, didn't think anybody liked me and pretty sure don't pretty sure believe nobody did like me but that was my image that was my self-image that was my story and so i lived that story out i couldn't get out of that story until i could change the story i wanted to live now, I'll go into that later, but right now I just want you to understand that was a negative story. Then I've had other stories in my life where everything was positive. It just I was rocking. But it was because I believed that was my story. And then every step I took, it, it was almost like Midas touch, I, everything I touched turned to gold. And it was almost like I was in a dream and I was willing it to happen that way. It's an amazing situation. So as I sat here today, I thought, well, where, where does one get their story? That was interesting conversation with myself. And I thought, hmm, where did I get my stories from? And I started thinking back. And, of course, the first story you pick up is the story from your parents. Now, the story from my parents was a negative story. In fact, it was so negative, I didn't want it to be my story. So what was it? Well, my dad came out of a family that lived through the recession, so they were poor. so everything was about don't eat, don't have, don't spend, live frugal, get up and go to work every day. My mother, on the other hand, came from a family that was rich. Her father came over here from Germany to escape um, persecution from the Germans. He was a Jew, and he um Decided to invest in the stock market. And he invested in the stock market right when a couple of very large companies went big. I think he worked for Coca-Cola. I think he put a lot of his money into the company he worked for, which was Coca-Cola. And at some early age in life, he was a millionaire. And by the time he died, he was a multimillionaire. So my mother grew up thinking that was what life was like, to have money, to be happy, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So when she finally married my dad, my dad was a workaholic and could not produce, with his limited skill sets, enough money to allow my mother to live in the standard of living she was accustomed to in her family. Not only that, her father was around because he retired at an early age, because he became a millionaire at an early age. I don't know what the early age was. It could have been 55, could have been 60. I'm not sure. I'm living off her version and vision of their story, right? But nevertheless, it was completely different. I mean, these guys had time. They traveled all over the world. They had money to travel, and she lived in amongst that. Type of a lifestyle. So now she marries my dad. He comes from a working class blue collar family whose father uh, was uh, oh, what do you call it? He was a un- union boss, worked in a glass factory, was a shift worker his entire life. His brother was a teacher. His sister was a teacher, which were part of unions. So everything about them was unions. And my dad was more of a Republican type. He became an accountant. But accountants don't get paid anything. In fact, they probably get paid less than union workers because they don't have a union to protect them. And so my dad worked and worked and worked and worked. And my parents had me. And then they had my sister. And there was no fun in our family. This is the life story, the life envisionment of what it's going to be like. Get up every day. Go to work. Leave your wife at home. Take care of the kids. Wife be miserable. You be miserable. You come home. She's miserable from taking care of the kids and having no life that she's accustomed to. So what does she do? She batters you verbally about how useless you are as a human being. And hence, you can just envision the negativity I grew up in and the life story. Now, you can see I did not want that to be my life story in any way, shape or form. Now, I got another story introduced to me from, from my father, which was about his brother. And his younger brother decided not to live that story. His younger brother decided to be a teacher. And then after that, he became a professor. He was also an athlete. He was a wrestler. He was an NACC, whatever, nationally ranked wrestler. He was also a tennis player. And so he went through school playing sports. He then became a teacher and played sports. Um, he then became a college professor and retired as a college professor. And... He during the time of being a college professor, he, he bought a bar and had fun owning a bar. He bought a bowling alley, had fun owning a bowling alley. He bought a pizzeria and had fun owning a pizzeria. So he owned entrepreneurial businesses in the small little college town where he was a professor. So everybody knew who he was: Professor Wamsley and Professor Wamsley's bowling alley, Professor Wamsley's bar, Professor Wamsley's pizzeria. He was the man of town, pretty well famous. In a small town like that, to own three big businesses and be a professor in the college of the town, that was a lot of notoriety. And so I saw my uncle and him being an athlete, my dad not being an athlete, which appealed to me. Him being a teacher, my dad being a worker, appealed to me. We'll pick the rest of this up when we come back from the other side of the break. We'll be right back with the Del Walmsley Radio Show. And ask yourself, what's your life
0: story? Call from mom. Answer it.
1: post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend
0: today after the end of a good fight you deserve an ice cold reward is the mark of a fighter you've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward you put in the hours the energy the tough labor you are a fighter and Medela is your reward Lodella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Talk thirteen seven, the right choice.
0: Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Dell Wamsley. Welcome
2: back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today I'm talking about what is your life story and do you like it? We started the conversation by, where did you get it? And I talked about the fact that my father had a life story that I didn't like. And I, at a very early age, decided I was not going to take on his life story. I then sought out my uncle's life story. I thought it was really neat. And so I, in my, my mind, envisioned a couple of things about a life story. That, number one, I was going to be an athlete. That's what my uncle was. Number two, I was going to be an entrepreneur. That's what my uncle was. Number three, I was going to be an educator. That's what my uncle was. Well, look at my life story. I ended up being an athlete and competitive athlete my entire life. I then uh, became an entrepreneur, an investor, and then I became an educator. I did exactly what my uncle did. I followed his life story. I envisioned the life story. Now, my life story is much larger than my uncle's life story. Because I had the envisionment of his life story to work with. I didn't have to reinvent it. He had to invent it. I didn't have to reinvent it. I just had to make it larger. I already knew what to do. I could see what the right decisions were. Now I ask you, where are you? Whose life story are you following? You know, if your parents are middle class, you're probably going to end up middle class. I remember my dad never made over $100,000 a year. When I made over $100,000 a year when I was still in my 20s, I thought, my gosh, this is amazing. I've just beat my dad. His entire life success is under me. I've beat it. Besides the fact that I'm not married to a lunatic, and I'm not a workaholic, and I'm not this, and I'm not that, and blah, blah, blah. Just to me, I was so happy I wasn't my dad. I wasn't living my family's life story. But now here I was. I was an athlete. I was working 12 hours a day, six days a week, and I was a workaholic. And I didn't have women in my life because I was a workaholic. And at that point, I I started seeing, hmm, wait a minute, this is a throwback. You know, my uncle had fun, traveled, did things, exciting things. I wasn't doing that. I was not living the right story. When I came up with this concept, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle, is when I realized working 12 hours a day, six days a week, isn't the lifestyle. That it doesn't matter how much money you have. But I had a guy that gave me his life story. When I first went to work for Bally's health clubs here in Houston, there was a guy that ran the whole thing. I'm not going to use his name because the guy was actually a very miserable human being. He was a pro athlete at one time. Uh, once he got kicked out of pro athletes, pro athletics, because, you know, he just he wasn't good enough to stay there. He looked for a job, got a job in a health club system because he's, a, you know, a, whatever we call him, a, a muscle head. Worked his way up through the company and ended up running the whole division. And his theory who he got his life story from his boss, who was also a muscle head, was that everybody works 40 hour or for 40 years their entire life. Uh, To end up at 60, 65 years of age, broke, and on, you know, Social Security or whatever, he said, that wasn't going to be my life. What he said was his life story, which I think he got from these other guys, was you work 12 hours a day, six days a week. You work twice as much as everybody else. You don't spend any of the money because you don't ever do anything because you're working all the time. You save all the money, and by age 40, you retire. You get yourself a bicycle. You date 17- and 18-year-old girls. I mean, I'm just quoting this, guys. You date 17- 18-year-old women, and you get a bicycle and ride all over France and travel the world with a backpack. That was going to be his life story. Well, what did it end up being? Ended up being he bought a big house. Ended up being he bought a Rolls-Royce and some other Mercedes, other expensive cars. Uh, he ended up spending money on clothes. And really only had a job for 20 or 30 years, and then the company went out of business, and he had no job. And he had no. He had assets. He had had accumulated money over the years, but he had it in the wrong places. He had it in places that didn't make him any money, although the one thing he did own, he told me, the one thing he owned that was any good in his life was an eight-unit a- apartment complex. He told stories about it his entire life, about how much of a pain it was to own this eight-unit apartment complex because he ran it like a slumlord. <laughs> Right. But it's amazing that this life ended with him being 65, 68 years of age, going back to trying to be an athlete, trying to be a bodybuilder, taking steroids, working out, dieting, starving, and trying to make money off selling his image on the internet and calling himself, you know, like daddy bodybuilder or something, grandpa bodybuilder. His life was miserable. He died alone and miserable. And I watched that because I I told myself his story. Somewhere along the line, I told myself his story's a lie, too. I'm not following this guy's story anymore. 12 hours a day, six days a week. When I was 29 years old, that was it. I was done. Psychologically, I would not work those hours anymore. And I told him that. And so I refused to work more than 44 hours, which was 11 hours a day, uh, four days a week. But still, you understand that it took me a long time to see that his life story his life story wasn't what I wanted to live. It didn't make sense. So I went out and looked for more life stories. And I ended up creating a life story. I created my own life story. And you all know what it is now. I retired in two and a half years of investing in real estate. I've been, like, uh, financially free my entire life. I haven't had a full-time job. Um, <sighs> I haven't had a full-time job in, what is it, 30 years now? September 1990, this is 2021, so it's been 31 years since I've actually had a job. Uh, You know, you you just got to look at this and say, this is my story. But now what I want to talk to you about is what is your story, right? What is your story? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as working in a cubicle the rest of your life, or driving a truck for the rest of your life, or being in the military for the rest of your life? Do you see yourself being middle class, living a life of quiet desperation for the rest of your life? Is that your life story? Then to struggle with retirement in your elder age, elderly years I mean, what is your life story? Right? You've got to ask yourself. Now, I remade my life story. I came up with my own version of my life story. And when we come back from break, I'm going to talk to you about the different phases of that and how it changed. And we can look at it from the point of view. Okay, I'm telling you about me. I'm sharing my pain with you so that you can wake up to the fact that you're not perfect and that your life story could be flawed. And it might be time for you to start thinking about changing it because it can be changed. That's the reality I came across is that a life story can be changed. If you continue to believe your life story is what you continue to believe it is, whatever you say you can, you can. Whatever you say you can't, you can't. And whatever you believe you are, you will be. You have to decide to change your life story. And when we come back, we'll talk about the different points in my life where I realized it was time to change my story. Take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Wamsey Radio Show. We get it. Attention spans just
1: aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Talk 1370,
0: the right choice. Welcome back. Now here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free. From the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley.
2: Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today we're talking about what is your life story. And I think you should think about that. Think about what is your life story. What do you believe about yourself? You know, if you were going to tell your kids right now or tell your friends right now, what will be the destination of your life? I told people the destination of my life a long time ago was I was going to be speaking in front of thousands and thousands of people on how to change their lives. I willed that into place about 30 years ago. I told people, everybody around me, this is what's going to happen. It's just a matter of time, just a matter for people to find out that I've got something to say that they need to hear, right? So it just took a while. It, stuff doesn't happen overnight, but it, you put something in motion. And what happens is, is there's a thousand different things that you could choose from each and every day. But you get up and you make choices, and those minuscule little choices you make every day lead to great ends. At some point, they they multiply, they compound, right? So I was told. Promise you, I was going to tell you some of the stories in my life to change my life. One of them was. What my first one was when I was a little kid, and my mom was an alcoholic, drug addict, uh, unhappy, and whatever it is that word is for, she believed every kind of illness you could have. She has hypercrimdyac, I guess that's the word. Maybe my dad was a workaholic, never home. You know, work from early in the morning to late at night every night, so he was never around. Uh, my mother was almost incapacitated with drugs both uh, prescription drugs and alcohol. And she pretty much demanded that I take care of my little sister. And if anything ever went wrong around the house, since my dad wasn't there and my mom was incapacitated, they blamed it on me. And I'm a little kid. And they're trying to make me the adult of the family and raise my daughter or my sister, I'm sorry, and take care of my invalid mother you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and take care of the house chores and duties that a father would take care of. And at some point, I rebelled, and I just, I lost it, you know? And I saw a lot of other kids lose it when they're young. And my mom, being a psychotic, who'd already been seeing a psychiatrist almost her whole life, said, it's time to take this boy to a psychiatrist because he's just as lunatune as I am and anybody in our family. There's just this streak of insanity in our family. So she took me to a psychiatrist, and I was able to convince the psychiatrist that these guys were whacked out and treating me terribly. And the psychiatrist saw it. I actually showed it. I said, watch this. And we, we went out and went in through some interaction. I came screaming back to the psychiatrist. See, they did it again. They did it again. And he goes, you know what? You're right. And so the first win I ever had in my life was when this psychiatrist said, you're right. Your parents are not treating you the way uh, they should. They're not raising you the way a, a child should. And told them, hey, back off, you know. Let him be a child. <clears throat> when that happened, that was a good thing in my life. That gave me some self-confidence. The next thing that happened was, I was in school, and I was 200 pounds in fourth grade. I hated myself. And my home experience was terrible. Now that my home experience got a little bit better, I decided that, you know, I I kept reading bodybuilding magazines, thinking that, you know, I've got to change, I've got to change, I've got to change. Never did, though. Then i Fell in love with this girl in like um, middle school, whatever middle school is, sixth grade, seventh grade, something like that. And um, she ended up going out with a senior in high school. And uh, I got put in the friend zone and, you know, I'm just a little fat kid with Coke bottle glasses. She went out with the studly high school quarterback or whatever. And uh, at a very early age, I mean, we're we're in, you know, sixth or seventh grade. She's having sex with this guy and I can't even get a kiss from her. I'm, I'm in the friend zone. That freaked me out big time. I went to the school psychiatrist, and uh, or no, the school psychiatrist called me in because I had called her a bunch of names, called her, you know, whatever you can think of, a girl who's out there at 16 or 14 having sex with seniors. And uh, they said, you know, you really hurt her feelings. She liked you. You're a friend. You insulted insult her and did all that, And I said, hey, you know, look what she's doing to me. And so at that point, something happened at that and said, okay, so she likes me, but I look like shit, and that's why I'm not going to get her. So I decided that um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and uh, fix myself. And so I found a book by a guy that was 400 pounds, uh, Bruce Randall, and went on his diet, went on his weightlifting program. And within a summer, I'd lost 50 pounds and uh, turned muscular and strong and grew a couple inches, which also helped. So all of a sudden, I looked like a stud. And I went on to be captain of the football team in high school and whatever, and this girl came up to me and wanted to be my my girlfriend then. After that, I said, no, no, you burnt that bridge. It's over with. Instead, I ended up uh, falling in love with another girl who was very beautiful, and she ended up being the queen of the prom. I was king of the prom. I was class president. And so, again, I built this dream of being popular in high school, being the athlete, uh, getting the prettiest girl, and the whole thing. It's just a vision. I mean, it's just a story. Do you understand? It's a Cinderella story is what I'm talking about here, guys. And I made it all up in my mind, and yet I lived it throughout my life. Now, it wasn't to be. It was up to me. And I created that story, and that's what I'm trying to tell you: create your story. Now, the next thing is, I quit college because I wanted to be rich. I said, I'm wasting my time here. I want to go to get out there and go to work. And I got out there and found that I couldn't get very good jobs, ill-paying jobs, jobs where they took advantage of you. There was really nothing. And then I made another decision. You know, instead of working in the rat race for the rest of my life, I'm going to do what I like to do. I'm an athlete. I'm going to go work at a health club. I don't care what I make. Money is not important. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. I want to be around the gym, where, around things I like. I can teach, which is one of the things I love to do. And I can also bodybuild, which is one of the things I love to do. And so my life will be quality. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle it was designed right there. And I went to work in the health club and enjoyed it until 12 years later, where I could see I had no life because I worked 12 hours a day, plus worked out for bodybuilding and had no social life. Then I realized that there, my life story had changed into me being a workaholic. It morphed. Now I was a successful workaholic, but I was a workaholic. And I wasn't rich. And then I tell the story of how I met a guy working in the health club who was there every day from about 11 in the afternoon to 3 or 4 in the afternoon. He played racquetball every day. He, he took steams and showers, steams. And... Uh, He uh, swam, and he lifted weights and stuff. He just had fun, talked with people, came to the gym, just messed around. I asked him one day, after weeks of seeing this guy do this, what do you do for a living, guy? I said, I own real estate. And that was it, man. I had to own real estate. I started looking around to figure out how to do it. And I got as much information as I could, and I took out onto my path and started buying real estate. So there again, I changed my story of my life. I'm going to be a real estate investor. And I just changed it. And then I got to where I made enough money I could afford to leave the twelve-hour-day job, and become a full-time real estate investor. And then I was had nothing to do, so I was going around look, going to all these different seminars how to do real estate. and I was watching these public speakers. I going, you know, that's really cool. I'd really like to be a public speaker someday. So I raised my hand in one of the seminars. I said, look. You're looking for guys to help teach these people. You're telling them to go find a mentor. I'm that perfect guy. I've already retired. Uh, I've already done it. I'm the perfect guy to teach. If you have these guys contact me, I'll help them get started. And the guy kicked me out of the seminar because he thought I was trying to sell seminars. And when he kicked me out of the seminar, he made a big mistake. He had a lapel mic on, and everything that I had said and he had said uh, proved the point that he really wasn't telling people to go look for help. He was really telling them to buy his seminars. And when he kicked me out, 200 people walked out with me. And uh, they said, can I have your card? I said, I don't have a card. You have to have a job to have a card. I'm unemployed. I've got real estate. I don't need a job. And they said, well, how can we get in touch with you? I said, well, I'll tell you what. Here's a legal pad. Write my name down or write your name down, telephone number, and I'll get back with you. Uh, hence started the, the joke that my wife got me cards and said, I'll call you because I don't have cards because people don't call me. Because there's no reason to let people call you unless, right, you have a job. And if you don't have a job, you don't need to have a card. And so at that point, I started Lifestyles Unlimited. I started teaching people. And hence, you've seen where that's gone for 30 years now. Now I'm all over the country. I started in Houston, went to Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, Corpus Christi, Phoenix, Atlanta, the country. We're everywhere now. Again, I, about a couple years ago, about 10 years ago, decided that the story needed to be, um, well, actually about 15 years ago, I decided the story needed to be we're all over Texas and not just one city. We're not just one city. We're a whole state. And then I decided the story needs to be we're a whole nation, helping people in this entire country. Someday there'll be a program that's so large that everybody in this country can know about it and get involved in it and change their life, almost like going to a college course or a college education on financial freedom that is my story what's your story and do you like it we'll take a short break be right back talk 1370
0: wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America one person at a time Del Wamsley welcome back
2: the Del Wamsley radio show today we've been talking about the story of your life what is the story of your life if your children were gonna ask you what is the story of your life could you not tell them that this is who you were who you are what you're going to be and how you're going to die What is your life going to end up like? Are you ever going to be famous? Are you ever going to be powerful? Are you ever going to be rich? Are you ever going to be in fantastic shape? Are you going to have an incredible relationship? Do you have really good sex with your spouse, or do you have really boring or no sex with your spouse? What do you do in life that's fabulous? Do you have relationships with your kids, or do you have no relationships with your kids? you have bad ones, good ones, none? What is your life like how do you get along at work do you like what you do does it jazz you do you get out of bed every morning just with like you know i was gonna say piss and vinegar i guess that's legal on the radio i don't know i hope so Uh, i mean you know you just want to get up and go and do it do you have that kind of excitement in life or are you like oh my god I had a lady tell me the other day, <laughs> it was hilarious, I, I can't remember who it was, I think it was the lady who was giving me a COVID shot, by the way, I'm double COVIDed now, I am now a part of the um, the herd, the herd, immune immunity herd for COVID-19, so, but I had a lady tell me, oh my God, thanks, good, thanks, what was it called, um... Something like, you know, it used to be, thank goodness it's Friday or something like that. But it's, I don't know any of these things because I've never been that distressed about work. But this hers was, thanks goodness it's Thursday or something. Only one more day left. Uh, just, man, just looking at life like that, that just, I got one more day. I got to get out of here. Oh, my God, it's driving me crazy. That type of a life. Is that the way you live your life? Now, I'm going to share one more story with you just for you to see how important this life story stuff really is. And that is, early on in my life, I came up with a life story that every male in the Wamsley family died by age 65. Why did I come up with this? I had an uncle die at 40. I had a grandfather die at 65. Another grandfather died at 66. and My father died at 65. And so these were the, you know, the people around me. And so it was very easy to see if four out of the, you know, really five people I knew had died by that age. And the only other male there was in my family was younger than that. So he might've died by then. I thought that was the, that was my story. So I came up with this life story that I was going to live life to the max. I used to say things like, I'm going to, ride hard and be put up wet. I'm gonna I'm gonna live life to the max and and die and leave a good looking corpse. And, you know, it was all things for rationalizing the fact that I'm gonna be gone by 65, I better have a heck of a lot of fun before then, so that I don't have the number of years everybody else has, but I have a lot better years. So there's an old saying somewhere along the way that says, Some of you have lived, but most of you have never really lived. And it's not how long you live, but it's how good you live that makes a difference. So I, that was my rationalization. That was my life story. I told everybody that, and I was really adamant that was what was going to happen. No one thinks something happened. Lo and behold, about two or three years ago, maybe four at the most, I can't remember, uh, I started being connected to my uncle. I started meeting some of my old family members, and I had an uncle. Now, my uncle was younger than my dad. But he was older than me, and he was like 70-something. You see? And all of a sudden, I saw there was a Wamsley that lived to his 70s. I go, well, that's the fluke. This guy never smoked. He was in, Like I said, he was an athlete, and he was a, a professor, so he never really had distress. He had money uh, from being you know, both an entrepreneur and being a uh, professor, even when he retired, he had a retirement plan. So there's no stress in his life. Right. And so I figured that non-stress and the fact that he was an athlete his whole life, the fact that he, he never smoked, which everybody in my family smoked, not except me. And I figured that's why he was alive and, and it was a fluke. But then somehow he and the rest of my family started working on me, telling me, No, it's not a fluke. It's a set of facts. The facts where he's an athlete, you're an athlete. Uh, Facts are he doesn't smoke, you don't smoke. Now, I've had so many illnesses that were so devastating at least three times. One time I did die. They brought me back to life. That was when I was a young kid and I had my appendix burst and my dad wouldn't take me to the hospital until I was dead. Took me in an ambulance, dead, and they brought me back to life. Uh, I die. I had got staff and almost died. They told me if I'd been there, you know, an hour later, I would have been dead. I got cancer and didn't die from it, but I got cancer. So I've had these life-death experiences all by the time I was fifty years of age, and so sixty-five seemed like you know, I had a, everything could be wrong with me. Everything in the blood workup that should be high is low, and everything should be low is high. So I saw sixty-five is it's it, it's right around the corner. Blah blah blah. But all of a sudden. I got to be 63, and I got to be 64. And I spent more and more time talking to my uncle, who was 82. I watched him go to 82. And then all of a sudden I realized, this guy's 18 years older than I am, and I'm 64, but I don't feel like I'm going to die. I don't feel old. I don't feel like the kinds of things I thought you would feel before you die, right? My dad had a triple heart. Triple or a quadruple bypass. He had lung surgery, had lung cancer from smoking. And, you know, I've had all, a lot of things, but I was still here and I felt pretty good. And so I all of a sudden said, you know what? I think I'm going to rewrite the story of my life. And all of a sudden I started putting together a new story. I wrote this new story in the book of life called Dell Lives to Eighty. So I went out and started buying investments that would last exactly 15 years to age 80. And I redid all of my financial plans to survive in business to age 80. We had just a few years ago been thinking about taking me out of lifestyles completely and uh, replacing me completely. Instead, I designed it to where I just went to doing the radio. But I was still active in some way, shape or form because inactivity leads to death. And so I created the age 80 plan. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. And the lifestyle comes from your life plan. Do you like the one you have? Or is it time to change? Think about it. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.